It's time for New Wine, hosted by Father Timothy Foy and produced by Cassock Media. Father Foy is the sort of homilist you'd love to have in your parish. With a mixture of logic, reason, and humor, Father Foy knows how to get the Catholic Church's teachings across to the common man in a way everybody can enjoy. Now here's Father Foy. Well, happy Advent. Squeeze the last of the Advent season that we got out of it in the last Advent juices and all that stuff. But you know, we're getting ready for Christmas, and I think I've figured out why Christmas is so beloved, and I'll tell you the reason. The reason is Christmas is thoroughly haunted. It just is. I mean, it really is. I mean, think about it. You uh, have Christmas movies. You got, uh, you got Jimmy Stewart, you know, kind of haunting the scenes of his hometown in It's a Wonderful Life. You got Scrooge, who is himself haunted by these ghosts, and then he kind of goes with the ghosts to different places in his own various aspects of his life in Christmas Carol. You've got the way that we, we watch and rewatch Christmas movies. We haunt our own Christmas movies, probably in a way that maybe no other genre of film kind of is sort of just watched repeatedly. You know, the notion of haunting itself kind of involves a repetition, uh, some behavior until things are finally put right. Christmas, I'll tell you, is a haunted wedding. It really is. It's, uh, you know, but we, when we have this wedding, it's a haunted wedding because the spouses aren't both fully present to each other. At Christmas, the first Christmas, you've got baby Jesus. He shows up. He's there. But where's the bride? We have to say, when we speak of the marriage of Christmas, the first Christmas, it's the natures of Jesus, human nature, you know, wedded to the divine nature. It's in his, in his little heart. You know, you could say it like that. You could say, if you want to think of the bride, you could actually maybe, you could say, well, he's marrying sort of, in a sense, the ghost of Christmas future, the ghost of the, Chris, of the future church. It'd be kind of like, you know, when we're playing baseball as kids. You ever play baseball as kids, but you kind of get it organized on your own. You don't have enough players, and so when you hit like a couple of, you know, a couple of hits, you got to have ghost men. They're placeholders, you know. On second base, a ghost man. Second, ghost man on third, you know. And then you kind of maybe if somebody comes to join you, you cannot fill in the spots. But you know, we need help, and so in a sense, you know, we're trying to get the Christmas story right, but we're not there yet. There's a lesson still in part of those Christmas movies you haven't gleaned yet perfectly. It's why you keep watching it. You know, and in a sense, as a church, you know, we're, you know, if there's anything right or true about reincarnation, which there's not really, you know, you're not going to become a flea or a mouse or an eagle or whatever when you pass away. But if there's anything true about it, it's that in the liturgy, you know, we kind of go into the story of Christ's life again. We relive Christ's life again every year. We do it over and over again. We start at the beginning of Christmas, and we're like, well, we didn't get it quite right all the way last year. Maybe we can hold on to those lessons we've learned. Maybe we can pick up a few more. We can get closer to him. We can kind of heal these wounds that we have as, as a church. You know, even in the very beginning, the first Christmas, you already see Jesus showing us the beginning of the healing of the human family. Because you have the child, and his parents, who are now united in perfect love, in this beginning of the human family, right there in, you know, in Nazareth. But then you also have Christ, you know, even when we're, we're still doing the Christmas season, you know, we have 
the Magi show up. You know, we kind of have the, uh, the Gentiles represented. The Jews and the Gentiles are going to come back together. You know, if you remember, we actually usually have one of the Gentiles, one of the Magi is not a regular European-American-looking guy. He's usually, you know, of another race. There's a healing of the races. The shepherds, you talk about a healing of poverty and, and wealth, you know, God's obvious wealth, but uniting himself to, to the poor. You know, the Jews and the Gentiles were speaking there also about how we think of God. God's bringing back the unity of monotheists, people who believe in one God. And these Gentiles, they're all a bunch of pagans. They believe in different gods and mighty gods. And so the Jews and the Gentiles, the monotheists and the pagans are being reunited in the truth of Jesus Christ. Um, even, you know, even the north and the south. Because Jesus is a northerner. He's born in the south. Or he's a southerner who lives in the north, however you want to look at it. He's uniting those people together again. You know, what do we need this Christmas? What are we still looking for? Where are our wounds, which we have? We have a lot of the old ones still. They're not totally, completely galvanized and perfected and, you know, stitched together. They've been started. But there's new ones, too. You know, I would say Christ allows these new ones because he knows he wants to get in there and heal it. You know, our big obstacle to entering into the whole thing just thinking we don't really know what we need. We can kind of do our own thing. We kind of can take care of ourselves. Oh, I'm not getting into Christmas. I don't really need to get married to Christ. We might not actively think that, but we have a lot of our own strength. We try to do things on our own. You know, that was already going on at the first Christmas. It really was. For a long time. The pagans had virtues. Oh, did they have virtue? They really did. All those sort of sad virtues. The kind of ones where you got to kind of just stiff up your lip and just jump through things. They had that. You know, in our first reading, King Ahaz, I'll tell you what, this guy was something else. King Ahaz, he was the king of Judah in the south. Okay, there was a time when the nations were divided. And that wasn't just it. Because Israel had come to fight. And that happened pretty often. But this time, they got their... Get Syria to pow up with them and come and siege to Jerusalem. That's why you try to you try to starve the people to death. It's not pretty. And so King Ahaz is the one who's the victim here. Understandably, you know, you know, old old sort of old justice getting kind of stiff up her lip. Well, if they're gonna do that to me, I'm gonna do it right back to them. So if Israel's gonna get Syria to come at me, I'm gonna go get Ah, Syria. They're even worse. These guys are terrorists. That's what he wants to do. And that's the picture in our first reading when the prophet Isaiah shows up. And he says, listen, you got to want more. Ask for a sign from God. Let it be as high as the sky, as high as the heavens, or as deep as the nether. You know, you want God to help you. Then maybe you won't just sort of beat back Israel and pay back Syria. Maybe you'll even be united to them. You could be the king of the whole thing, maybe. Wouldn't that be great? You just thought big. But what does he do? It's almost as if Ahaz had seen Ghostbusters. All right? If you've seen Ghostbusters, there's not kind of the climax, okay? But towards the end of the movie, you know, like there's this sort of scene where they're, 
they're like, hey, the bad guy's like, hey, choose your destructor. Okay? And, and like the good guys are like, oh, just empty your head. Just don't think of anything at all. And then they can't beat us. Just, just empty your head. It's pretty easy if you're not. Anyway, so, but, so what Ahaz does is like, oh, I just won't think of anything at all. I just won't choose because he thinks of God as this mean, you know, thing. And he's like, oh, oh, no, I won't. And, and so Isaiah's like, oh, too late. I already picked. You know, it, if you're not going to choose like a sign that's really great, high as the heavens, you're going to get another one. First, you're going to get a virgin, well, actually, eventually you get the virgin conceiving a son. He gives you that sign. You're going to get a sign, but you're not going to live to see it. If Isaiah stuck around, and if he gave Ahaz a preview of what was to come, it might kind of sound like this. Look, you know, if you want to do your own thing, Ahaz, God will let you do that. He didn't come to push you around. You know, virgin will conceive and bear a son. People you know, are, are going to notice eventually. But, but first, this is what's going to happen. You know, basically, you're going to basically, you're going to be invaded, you're going to be invaded by Assyria eventually. And, you know, if you're after your own, I'm going to do it on my own, I'm going to get Assyria to help me in the meantime, if you're going to do it on your own, you need a lot of gold. You're going to rob your own palace. It won't be enough. You'll go to the temple. You'll collect every sacred vessel of gold, and you'll cut it up into pieces to pay the people of Assyria for the help they're going to give you. You know, with your human temperance, you know, if you think that's going to make you kind of keep your health, you're going to basically waste every little opportunity you have to try to actually enjoy the little moments of peace without God, uh, trying to, you know, wonder if this is right or wrong for you, worrying over your own physical health. You know, you're going to, the whole human justice thing, you know, you're going to pay them back every time they punch you. You're going to be basically war constantly back and forth, you know, all the way through. And when you die, your body, it won't be buried with the kings. They're not going to, they'll bury you in a separate place. You don't pollute their, their rest. You know? And, and eventually, you'll go and you'll be in another world. And this virgin will conceive and bear a son 700 years later. You know, you'll completely have forgotten about God. But he won't have forgotten about you. Because that virgin conceiving and bearing a son, you know, again, he will begin Emmanuel. God is with you. And he will not finish his course until he comes to meet you in another world. And rises up again. You know, in our own day, Society still has the possibility of kind of trying to rest on its own strength, do its own thing. The difference is that Ahaz lived at a time where the Jews actually considered God really high above them. They're, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to bother. You know, today we don't really wait to die to uh, block everybody away, to kind of go into our own place, kind of our own netherworld or other world, you know, we're kind of told by people that, you know, we can kind of be our own God. We can kind of make our own rules. We can kind of invent our own way of looking at things and don't let anybody tell you the different. And if you don't like what you hear, you know, you can basically just block them out, complain about it, you know, create a safe space around yourself so you can go on and it gets to the point where you can deny reality and if other people want to bring that reality to you, push them away. 
So we have people who they're told they should go on believing that they're a woman, even if they're a man. You know, believing that they're, you know, someone who's brilliant, even if they need to get some tutoring. You know, we just we live our own kind of bubble. Christmas is good news because it forces us together. We're going to bump right into the bubbles of all these people. They're going to be right there in our houses, in our lives, at these parties we go to. Maybe they've already been there. The beauty is we don't have to rely on ourselves. We can rely on God. We have new virtues. We have faith, hope, and love. In a way where those are all about you know, what I can believe even beyond just what my reason can come to. I hope even for what I don't see, I can love people even though they've sinned against me and their sins are like scarlet. Try it out with your family. You know, I mean, really... Perhaps you're putting up these limits, these boundaries. You don't have to break them down. But you don't have to go in there and like swim around in a little tiny, tiny little world either. You don't have to try to prop them up and make them feel like that's the, oh yeah, you're, you know, that's not, you know, just quietly, peacefully, hopefully extract yourself from trying to suck you into their own false reality. Stay hopeful. You know, we're not trying to antagonize anybody. You know, we hope for their salvation no matter how off, far off track that they are. You know, and basically, we, I think one of the challenges today, too, is people today, there's no institution that we're encouraged to kind of seek out, unless it's something like an entertainment. Demonstrate an even greater love for the church. Be even more faithful to the church. To common prayer. To inviting other people to pray. They might even join you. You know, the Virgin Mary, she's like the total opposite of Ahaz. Ahaz chose the netherworld. He chose, I don't want to be near God. I'd rather just let him find me in my own place someday. Mary said, you know, her answer is, I'm yours. And because of that, she, she goes as high as the heavens. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't wait. You know, and so beautifully, she also is the model of the church. The whole church is based off of her prayer. Based off of her faith, it's based after her being there even at the cross. You know, charity means considering even the unlovable, lovable with the help of God. Pagan virtues, virtues, their strengths, relying on yourself. You know, it's not, it's not silly, but it's not enough for us. You know, and we have Jesus Christ, our brother, and He shows us. He's going to rely always on the Father. She can rely always on the Father. We can rely always on Him. Believing in Him. No, not secluding ourselves off. And not even allowing other people to completely get away from us. They're there in our hearts. We're praying for them. Taught by God, by the best, by His Son. That we do not live. This has been New Wine with Father Timothy Foy. If you've enjoyed what Father had to say, please write a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. And remember to tune in tomorrow for the next episode of New Wine.